This podcast is made possible by Sage Intact and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Tom Stewart, CFO of SecureAuth Corporation, and you're listening to CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 288. How as a finance leader are you driving driving change in your organization? How are you driving change within your organization? In this episode, we speak to Jack Calicut. CFO of Galectin Therapeutics. We have the results of our NASH cirrhosis trial coming out in December of this year. We are funded through the end of the year, so we are going to be uh, looking at ways of um, maximizing our cash throughout this year and getting the results of our trial. And then we've got multiple scenarios that we've planned out for when we get these results, be it uh, potential partnering opportunities with other companies, uh, potentially looking at other indications for our drug. It's going to be an, a, an exciting year. Listen to our complete interview with Jack after these words from our sponsor. It's a question every growing business must answer. How do you scale your organization to accommodate growth? while reducing risk. Sage Intech provides the instant visibility into deep operational and financial requirements that inform decision-making when scale is top of mind. By automating error-prone manual tasks and allowing your team to focus on the analysis of more accurate information, Sage Intech provides the visibility required to confidently scale your organization. Sage Intact is the only AICPA preferred provider of cloud financial management software. Hello, we're speaking with Jack Calicut, CFO of Galectin Therapeutics. This is not uh, Jack's first rodeo inside the uh, biotech healthcare arena. He has served as CFO for six different biotech slash uh, healthcare firms in the past. Jack, welcome. Thank you, Jack. I appreciate the time and being here. Well, it's great to have you, and I, I think many of us have a fascination with this sector, biotech, given the role it can play in all of our lives. So we look forward to hearing about uh, what Galectin is up to. Uh, but first, let's find out a little bit about you and what were those experiences that first put you on uh, the path to become a finance leader uh, in this sector uh, for not one firm, but, but well, half a dozen. Yeah, um, I, I started my career uh, with with Deloitte and spent about 13 years there, and and I was able to work with uh, a lot of different companies of of all sizes. And and the thing I really enjoyed about my career there was being able to come into a company, and be able to quickly assess risk in the organization, so we could focus our efforts on on the areas that needed focus and spend their time appropriately. So I was also able to do a lot of uh, due diligence work in terms of mergers and acquisitions and helping clients strategically think about growth. And and that's what I enjoy doing. And so my career has been uh, leading finance organizations in in smaller companies, primarily public companies focused in biotech and, and healthcare technologies. And those are really the, the organizations that I think fit my skill sets the best in terms of 
doing doing multiple different jobs, be it uh, risk management, treasury, of course, the accounting and financial um, reporting, but also interacting with with analysts and Wall Street and bankers and and really helping companies raise the appropriate capital to bring new and emerging technologies to market. So can you, can you share with us this time uh, as you arrived in the in the CFO suite again what was the the role you wanted to uh, create for yourself is it similar to the you know is this just another uh one more time down the path or was this something different for you well it, it is but but you know dealing with um uh, working with with biotech com- companies, I've typically worked with, and, and Galactin Therapeutics is a great example. We are working on diseases that have unmet medical needs. Um, our therapeutic uh, is in in FDA testing, so we're of course heavily regulated by the FDA. But we are in clinical trials that that meet large unmet medical needs, and so there's a large amount of personal satisfaction you get um, from you know that that goal. Um, we're, we're a relatively small organization. We are publicly traded on NASDAQ, but we have uh, kind of an outsource model. We use clinical research organizations to conduct the trials. We use outside manufacturing firms to manufacture the drug product, uh, use outside uh, consultants for regulatory and things. So we've got a pretty small but highly experienced executive team that oversees all of that. And so we work well together to, you know, make sure the company's pointed in the right direction and deal with the risks that come up uh, every day. And so dealing with a, a, a small organization where we all work together and can, you know, change on a dime if we need to or, or, or stay the course with, with what we're doing is, is kind of how we focus our efforts. I think most of us, when it comes to startups, information technology is probably top of mind. And no matter what industry you're from, there's some familiarity with IT startups and the sort of growth stages they go through. But biotech is unique in a number of ways, and I think it, it, it can be set apart from other industries, including IT, in part with what you just described in terms of what's being outsourced. And I I suspect that's being widely done uh, through biotech today. But can you tell us something about maybe the people who are attracted to biotech, their backgrounds, and other factors that make this sector distinctive? Yeah, no, that's a great question, actually, and I think it is pretty common in the in the biotech and drug development industry. I mean, you, what you are able to attract are um, highly experienced executives, many of which, including our CEO, who had been the uh, uh, global head of research and development at GlaxoSmithKline. Uh, our COO had been uh, past CEO of a of a large multinational pharmaceutical company, and and they decide that they want to you know look at something else and and uh, tackle other challenges and generally in smaller organizations where uh, you know there's not as much bureaucracy and and they can they can move forward with with what they want to focus on. So the industry is different, I think, in that respect, and so you're reliant on these you know large clinical trial organizations and and pharmaceutical manufacturing organizations and regulatory organizations to provide kind of the boots on the ground in the day-to-day work and while you just oversee them so you don't have to hire 
hundreds of people to carry that out, which would really just make it cost prohibitive. So it, it's a it's a good model and, and one that uh, I think is very common in our industry until you get to a certain point in, in the drug development uh, life cycle. I mentioned up front that you have now uh, served as a finance leader for six different uh, companies in the biotech healthcare space. And what, what occurs to me is, is that, wow, you know, obviously you have this reputation where the opportunity finds you. And I'm sure you're, you're a wonderful networker and what have you. But over time, it seems like you're one of those CFOs people turn to when they have an opportunity or a new business that uh, they want to get off the ground. And I'll let you <laughs> uh, counter my thoughts there. But also, let's face it, these these companies go through transactions and you're never in one place very long. I mean, it seems like two to three year horizon and, and it's on to the next opportunity. Um, is that characterization correct? I think that's right. Yeah. Um, Typically, uh, big pharma companies will want to uh, see how drugs get developed, and, and when they get to a certain stage, they will want to come in and either partner or, or take companies over outright. Uh, unfortunately, also an, another instance in, in biotech and drug development companies is that sometimes therapies just don't work. So you may have a two- or three-year uh, uh, work effort and and you don't get the results you're looking for. So you know there is there is a, a a high risk and and you know ultimately a high reward for for doing this. And so you know like I said that the you know the um, you know just the feeling of personal satisfaction with working to try and help people that um, you know need the therapeutics you're trying to create is is one of the things that drives you because. You know, it is not uh, an industry where you can generally go and and lead a, a a smaller biotech organization for 20 years and keep doing the same things. Uh, you typically are going to move from place to place as opportunities arise. But um, again, you know, working with the right groups of management teams, looking at the therapeutics and and building the organizations is just something that I've really uh, enjoyed in my career. Can I? Can I? Uh ask you to take us back to D Deloitte. Were you serving pharmaceutical customers or when did you first get to peer inside uh, the sector here? Uh, really at Deloitte, I was primarily focused on, on technology companies, both uh, healthcare technology and, and high-tech technology, but it um, they had a lot of similarities in terms of you know needing to get a finance organization established, having proper controls with you know smaller teams, uh, being able to you know raise capital and deal with institutional and private investors, dealing with the regulators, SEC and and Nasdaq or or whatever the exchange is, and so a lot of the issues are the same. Um, you know, the accounting issues are the same. Um, I don't have a science background, but you know, I've I've learned a lot in in my career from the CEOs. Typically, the CEOs of companies I've worked for um, were you know physicians or or chief medical officer types, and so I've I've learned a lot about the therapeutics enough to you know to speak about them in terms of um, you know, what we're trying to accomplish in the diseases. So, you know, I, I, I've uh, learned a lot about uh, the, the indications that, our, that the companies I've worked for are going after. Uh, most of all have been, uh, like I said, with, with unmet medical needs. 
so you've partnered with six different CEOs to date, or was there uh, one CEO who you've collaborated with a number of times? Uh, there's one, uh, our, our chief operating officer here at Galactin Therapeutics, Harold Slevin, uh, was the CEO of a company that I was the chief financial officer for. We, uh, worked together at a company called Tickva Therapeutics for a couple of years, uh, that, that ended up, uh, kind of a casualty of the, the 2007 kind of, uh, uh, market correction. So we weren't able to raise the money needed to, uh, move that company forward, but we built a good relationship, and then uh, we we partnered here together with Dr. Peter Traber, who's our CEO, and have a great kind of three, you know, headed um, lead to our our company here. The sector is so unique, and you've already revealed the background of some of these CEOs, how it's really, you know, deep industry knowledge that sets them apart, perhaps. Over time, you've collaborated with a good number of CEOs. What would you share with us about how to how to successfully collaborate? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's about, you know, building personal relationships and realizing where, you know, you have expertise and the other person has expertise and relying on each other and trusting each other. Um, you know, in small organizations, the 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 finance leader is tip, typically, like in my case, you know, like I said, running risk management, treasury, accounting, reporting, human resources, controls, uh, cash projections, discussions with potential partners, regulators, so a, a number of things. And and the CEO relies on me and and my expertise and recommendations in those regards. And you know, when it comes to you know, clinical trial design and dealing with, with our outsourced partners and certainly strategy and dealing with the FDA, you know, that's the expertise that he brings. So I think, you know, finding a person that you can work with and trust and that, you know, both both parties or, or multiple parties in management, you know, realize what their strengths are and where they need to rely on others is, is key for, for small organizations to be successful. Okay, so let's find out about Galectin and what exactly its offerings are today. What would you share with us? Yeah, so we're focused. Uh, we're focused on a, a arresting and uh, a protein called Galectin three. Galectin three is a protein in the body that is upregulated in inflammation and fibrogenesis, and and also the majority of cancers express high levels of Galectin three. Galectin three is normal uh, occurring protein in the body, but when there's inflammation or an insult or or a cancer in the body, it's upregulated and it. Uh, inhibits the body's immune system to deal with that. And so what our drug does or is designed to do is to uh, inhibit the upregulation of Galectin-3, bring it back down to normal levels. We've got preclinical studies that show we are able to reverse uh, fibrogenesis in uh, liver, kidney, heart indications. But the phase two clinical trial that we're working on now that will have results in December is in a, in a disease called NASH, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. Um, it's currently the, the largest cause of liver disease in, the, in, the, in, in America uh, since hepatitis C has essentially been, been cured by the drugs that have come out over the past few years. But this uh, NASH or fatty liver disease, as it's called, affects 
up to one-fourth of the people in the world. Lifetime risk is over 20 million liver-related deaths uh, with patients with NASH. Uh, analysts estimate the global market could be 35 to 40 billion by 2025, and there are no approved therapies. So there was a report in Newsweek last year that called NASH the 21st century's looming public health threat. So what we have, we have a drug that in, that binds to and inhibits galactin-3, allowing the body to um, reverse the effects of the fibrosis that are occurring due to the upregulation of galactin-3. So we have a clinical trial of 162 patients that are being treated for a year ongoing in the United States in about 36 different sites. Uh, these patients all have cirrhosis due to their NASH. Um, the only therapy or alternative for patients with cirrhosis are a liver transplant, uh, and there are only about 600 of those done in the, or 6,000 of those done in the U.S. per year. So the odds of getting a liver transplant are pretty low. So what we're hoping to do is to reverse the cirrhosis back to a more normal state with our drug, which our drug has shown, been shown to do that in preclinical models. So we're very excited about the potential. Um, we're one of only two companies that are running trials in the U.S. right now for NASH with patients with cirrhosis, and we'll be the first that has data out, um, like I said, in December of this year. So can you tell us what are you uh, what are those key metrics that you're paying very close attention to now given given the company's performance? Yeah, we are uh, you know as I, I may have mentioned a uh, uh, in development stage company so we don't have any products approved so we we rely on uh, financings to generate the cash we need to get get our uh, trials done and our products ultimately to market so really managing cash um, every day is is what what we focus on um, you know how we how we uh, allocate our limited resources among all the programs we're doing to make sure that we get the best bang for our buck. And um, there are a lot of preclinical things we'd like to do. There are different trials we'd like to do, but we have to remain focused on what's going to be um, what we think is going to lead to the highest value for our shareholders. So managing cash is, is key. What would you share with us as far as a, an aha moment in finance, something that uh, has been revealed to you along the way, maybe something sector specific. Well, I, I think primarily in in biotech companies, things change all the time. I mean, you're you're dealing with with patients that uh, our patients, like I said, there are no approved therapies, and so they're volunteering to you know join our trial in in hopes that. It, it may not improve their life, but it may, you know, eventually lead to a drug that can help people that, that have the disease that they have. And so, you know, you're dealing with, with real life people. And, you know, we've had situations, uh, not at Galectin, but in the past, uh, where I've, I was CFO of a, a biotech company. And, um, you know, there have been, you know, adverse events uh, due to the drug and, and the patients. And, you know, those those are tough to, to handle, not necessarily from a finance standpoint, but, you know, ultimately you are working towards 
uh, developing a therapeutic to, to help a lot of people. And, you know, sometimes there's side effects. Luckily, with collecting therapeutics, we've given over 3,000 doses of our drug and really haven't had any safety concerns related to the drug. But, you know, in, in the biotech industry, that's one thing you really have to, to focus on um, is patient safety above everything. Can you share with us how you went about building your finance team, something you've clearly done a number of times? Yeah. Um, typically, like you, you had mentioned before, networking and relationships. And so, you know, you, you tend to know uh, people that are in the same industries and have the same kind of experiences. And I've, I've worked with the same controller in a couple of different uh, companies um, in the same, uh, you know, finance and, and reporting people in the past as well. So, you know, you, you tend to, to trust the people that you've worked with in the past and had relationships with. And, you know, if there exists opportunities going forward to, to work with those people again, you tend to feel more comfortable with that. That doesn't always work out. And so you're always, you know, meeting new people and having to hire new people. But, um, you know, to the extent I, I have worked with somebody in the past and know what they can do. I feel a lot more comfortable bringing them in um, because, you know, in a small organization, you don't really have uh, room to, to, to make hiring mistakes or have somebody that can't uh, pull their weight in, in doing all the, you know, wearing all the different hats that you need to in, in a small organization. All right. I'm wondering with uh, other biotech firms, when things go badly, is it is it about the cash management? Uh, what 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 fails? Yeah, I mean, you know, there there can be surprises. Um, you know, you don't really know if there are going to be uh, issues with with drug manufacturing or you know if patients have adverse events in dealing with the clinical trials that you have to then pay for or. You know, there's uh, changes in the regulatory landscape that may cause you to do additional trials. And so, you know, what we do here is is we have strategic meetings um, all the time with with our management and and look for things that that may happen that could cause surprises. And inevitably they do, but you just try to deal with them as as best you can. So, you know, having a, a, a very tightly controlled cash projection, making sure that you cover, you know, all the risks and have the ability to, to change and, and move, you know, move your thinking or figure out ways of getting things done, I think are, are key. Uh, you know, for companies that are are dependent on their cash to get uh, get get uh, progress made in developing their therapy. Now, as these companies grow and as you move and and, and do transactions with different ones, I mean, along the way, I'm wondering if you ever thought wouldn't it have been easier to be in a in a large enterprise as a finance leader. Are you happy you've taken the path you have? Yeah, no. For me personally, I I enjoy doing what I'm doing. I mean. We we uh, don't have the, the the bureaucracy and can move on a dime when we need to. You know, I'm working on um, risk management and, and insurance one minute and financial reporting the next and talking with analysts on Wall Street the next minute and institutional investors right after that. So, you know, I, I like the flexibility to be able to do a lot of different things as opposed to just focusing on, on one. Certainly the goal of of, of our organization is to develop a drug that, that can help a lot of people and also provide significant value to our shareholders. So that, 
you know, that under my, that underpins everything that we're focused on doing, but, you know, really having a, a key role in shaping our strategy and, and moving a drug through development is, is really what, what um, I like to focus on as opposed to just, you know, kind of doing the same thing every day, um, you know, managing, you know, managing a larger organization. So, Okay. So we're going to go to our mentoring round now. Uh, this is where we ask you several quick questions, Jack, to uh, okay. inspire and mentor aspiring finance leaders. What's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today? Well, I think right now uh, the business climate is right now and has been for uh, a year or so really favorable towards uh, developing uh, healthcare uh drug development companies as well as healthcare technology companies. There's a lot of money out there that's available for uh, drug development as well as, you know, other healthcare related technologies. And so the market is favorable right now for companies that have good management teams and, and, and great ideas and, and great, great products under development. So with, with the biotech industry, the, the business climate is very favorable right now. Um, but it's still hard work to go out and tell your story effectively to the right people and figuring out who those right people are uh, to partner with with institutional investors and, and also uh, individual investors and make sure they understand what we're doing. So um, the, the, the business climate is very good right now, I think, for companies like us. What do you wish someone had told you at the start of your CFO career? Well, uh, I guess, you know, you, you can never plan for, for when things are going to happen. Um, you know, I, I, uh, you never know when something's going to happen from the FDA or something may happen with a drug and you've, you know, immediately got to change directions. You, you look at companies that kind of start on a growth curve and grow and you think from, from outside, well, it looks like that went pretty smoothly, but it, it never goes very smoothly. You, you've always got stops and starts and, and hurdles. And, you know, part of the fun in, in getting through that is the satisfaction once you have that, you know, you've made the right decisions and you've zigged and zagged and gotten around issues and, you know, and ultimately we're, we're successful. So. Is there a personal habit that you have that you believe has contributed to your professional success? Yeah, one of the things I do is I typically get into the office very early in the morning before the phone starts ringing and there starts to be a lot of people around and and uh, make sure that I've gotten all my emails cleared. Um, typically don't like to have unopened emails, um, get a chance to really plan my day before it starts going and Generally, that becomes all for naught because things always happen that I haven't planned for. But, you know, if I've had a couple hours in the morning to to clear things out and prioritize so that I'm focusing on the things that require my attention the most, as opposed to just, you know, fighting fires, it, it's tended to work for me in the past. I've already asked this question one way. I'm going to try asking it another way, see if it uh, interests you. Uh, okay. Uh Turn back the clock. Let's say your your twenty five year old self is now uh, part of Deloitte. What would you tell yourself today if you were looking to build a finance career? Uh, one of the things is to 
uh, make sure that I, I focused on organization and efficient and effective communications. Uh, I had a mentor that had come out of Deloitte. He was a retired partner at Deloitte that was working at, at a firm that I worked with right out of Deloitte. And he really taught me so much about communication and organization, being efficient and effective, both in written and verbal communications, as well as tailoring the message to the appropriate audience, be it an individual investor or an investor on Wall Street. You know, the message has got to be told in a different way if you're talking with an analyst or you're talking with a regulator. So in both, you know, presentations, uh, PowerPoint, written communications, conversations, verbal presentations or corporate presentations, uh, being prepared and just being effective and efficient in communications, I think I really learned uh, has, has really helped me a lot in my career. Thought Leader listeners, don't go anywhere. We have more of our interview after these words from our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Okay, our final question. What are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? Well, we uh, at Galactin Therapeutics, we have uh, uh, the results of our NASH cirrhosis trial coming out in December of this year. We are funded through the end of the year, so we are going to be uh, looking at ways of um, maximizing our cash throughout this year and getting the results of our trial. And then we've got multiple scenarios that we've planned out for when we get these results, be it uh, potential partnering opportunities with other companies, uh, potentially looking at other indications for our drug. Um, so it, it's going to be an, a, an exciting year, and, and we look forward to uh, getting the results of our trial later this year. Jack Kellicott, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you, Jack. I appreciate the time and being here. Hi, it's Jack. At CFO Thought Leader, we're interested in hearing from you. We want to find out what you would like to hear more of or less of. And so we've created an ever-so-short survey in order to learn from you. The survey is now available right on CFOThoughtLeader.com's homepage. It's open to career finance executives of every rank. Meanwhile, it's that time of year again. CFO Appreciation Day is quickly approaching, and we are once more firing up our kiln and making our CFO Thought Leader Mug 2019 edition available to survey takers who enlist two or more of their finance team members to complete the survey. 
We'll mail you our also-coveted CFO Thought Leader mug at zero cost. So visit us at CFOThoughtLeader.com and give us an earful. We would greatly appreciate it. Some rules and restrictions may apply. Thank you.